0: Chapter 26, the end of the chapter, and really we're going to be in Genesis 27. I love the book of Genesis. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. I say that half-jokingly because every book that I'm in has now become my favorite book of the Bible. title of today's sermon is the Lord has granted me success you just sang just a few moments ago that every blessing comes to you from God above you just praised him for that Jacob spoke those very words to his father Now, coming out of Jacob's mouth, they were a bold-faced lie. (laughs) Jacob is deceiving his dad to get what he wants. But ironically, and in spite of his uh, deception, Jacob speaks the truth. The Lord does grant Jacob success, in a scheme that should never have worked. It is not because of Jacob's nefarious scheme that it works. The Lord of Isaac works in spite of that scheming. Isaac, Rebekah, Jacob, Esau, they're all players in this story. And each of them, in their own way, tries to control and manipulate. I'd like to see if that control, go ahead. And manipulate. There you go. Control (laughs) and manipulate the blessing of God for their own purposes. But God, our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is not a God who will be controlled or manipulated. Period. And I want to tell you that the struggle to control and manipulate God lives in each one of us. We want our own way and we are even willing to use others to get what we want. Including God in his blessing. Rebekah uses Jacob. Esau. Uses whining. That's for your young kids. Esau uses whining. To get what he wants. Plays the victim card. To get what he wants. Jacob. Uses Rebekah. Isaac. And even God. Isaac. Is. Uses his privilege and even his position of authority. Each of them are driven by what they want, not by what God wants. I am telling you, the blessing of God is not obtained through control and manipulation. So the question that we really have before us, if that's the case, if God will never be manipulated, he will never be controlled, why is it that Jacob gets what he wants? Well, it is not because God was manipulated, I can tell you that. When God chooses to redeem a person, and he has chosen to redeem Jacob, he deals with them as they are. And Jacob is a usurper, a deceiver, and a manipulator. That's who he is. Now God is going to change him, but that's going to take his whole life. And it won't even be completed until he sees Jesus face to face. Now, as we go through this story, I'm going to try to expose the hearts of Jacob, Esau, Isaac, and Rebekah. And as I expose their, their hearts, their motivations, I am praying that God will use them as a mirror into your own heart. Now, I'm not doing that because I just want to make you feel bad today. I'm doing that because I want you to be driven to Jesus It is only in his blood that you can be cleansed. And it is only the spirit of Christ living in you that can ever cause you to submit your heart to God. As I was coming in here today, I looked at my wife's little table where she has her quiet time. And she has this book called Absolute Surrender by Andrew Murray. Has Anybody read it? Anybody heard of that? A couple of you? I know that when I read that as a a young uh, Christian, it, it was powerful. Thinking about trying to submit my heart to God rather than trying to control God to my purposes. That's what it's all about today. That's what I'm trying to dig at. Because as long as we are trying to control and manipulate God, we will be miserable. Let's go ahead. We've got a long text to read. We're going to read all of chapter 27. And I want you to read along with me. Fortunately, it's a fun passage in the sense that it's dialogue, it's intrigue. But as we read it, I just want you to understand sometimes you can get caught up in the story and think, wow, that plan worked. It's almost a satire. There is no way this plan should work. I mean, there's just no way. You strap on some dead skin onto your arm and your neck, and you convince somebody that it is actually real, a beard? No, it doesn't work that way. So the only way this plan works is because God is behind the whole thing. So as we read it through, don't miss that satire. All right, beginning in verse 34 of chapter 26. When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Biri, the Hittite, to be his wife and Basmath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite. And they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then... Take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. Prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me, so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebecca said to her son, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare them from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat, so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him, and bring a curse upon myself, and not a blessing. His mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice, and go bring them to me. So he went and took them, and brought them to his mother. And his mother prepared delicious food, such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. That just sounds gross to me, by the way, anyway. And she puts the delicious food and the bread, which she had prepared, into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went into his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? Here's the, here's the title. Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near, that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac his father, who felt him, and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy like his brother's Esau's hands, so he blessed him. He said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered him, I am. Then he said, Bring it near to me, that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate it, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from the, his hunting. Now, you, you know, in our day, that would be like, you'd be drama, right? You'd be excited. It's be but I, We're not readers, but we're supposed to see that. We're supposed to see that excitement. Just at the moment he walks out, he comes in. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came. Of course, he knew that it was Jacob at that point. Anyway, um, And I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he whined. He plays the victim card. He cries out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you and all his brothers, and I have given him to him for servants, and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me. Even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall be your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching, then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob her younger son and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice." Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, What good will my life be to me? The account of Jacob stealing the blessing from Esau is flanked at the beginning and at the end by statements of Esau's marriage to Hittites or Canaanites. These before and after bookends are put in the text... So that you don't get tricked into believing that you should feel sorry for Esau. You see, Esau is the loser in this story. And it's easy to feel sorry for losers, right? And Esau is the victim. And so it's easy to feel sorry for victims. And the the reason why you have this beginning and ending bookends is so that you as the reader don't go, Oh, poor Esau. You're not to have that conclusion. There were many things in this time that that God had not made clear to his people. Under Moses, we get the Ten Commandments. We have lots of commands, lots of things going on. But in Abraham's day, if there were one thing that you knew that you should not do, it was get married to Canaanites. (laughs) That was the big deal. And Esau could care less. And so he joins himself to those who were under God's curse. They're not just we talked about this in weeks past, but but God said, You, your descendants will come back into this land and they will drive out all of the Canaanites. So if you join with them now, you are making this plan of God really hard to do because you're joining with them. And so God said, Don't do that has nothing to do with race. It's just religion and that they are under God's curse and, and Israel is to separate himself from them. Okay. Now, Esau has despised God and he has slapped his parents in the face. The whole marriage of Isaac and Rebekah has been ordered by God and he had to go all the way back to uh, Mesopotamia to get Rebekah and bring her back. All this... Esau just cared less about any of it. He's driven by what he desires. Okay. Now, um, the story. We'll come back to Esau in a little bit. But the story begins with Isaac. And we are to think about Isaac. Isaac thinks that his time on earth is short. He actually... Lives a lot longer, but he doesn't think he is going to. We are told that his eyes are dim. But that is really just symbolic. I mean, it's true, he physically can't see very well. But it's basically his heart is dim. He has no spiritual insight. He is blinded by all kinds of deception in this story. Isaac is the one who actually bears the blessing. It belongs to him. It has been given to him. He has been given a privileged position and even authority. Like he has been given the authority to pronounce the blessing to his son, the next generation. But here's the thing. Isaac will attempt to use the blessing to accomplish his own personal ambitions. He wants control over the blessing. Now, I will admit to you that how the speaking of the blessing is still a bit mysterious to me. Because everything in my my heart says, it's just words. (laughs) You know, like, how does it actually function? Why can they not turn back on this? Anyway, Hebrews 11 tells us that by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. So we, in some sense, Isaac, even at this time in the story, is believing the promises, and he is speaking those promises by faith. That's happening, even though at the same time, he is trying to control and manipulate them. Now, Isaac has a very clear statement that God gave to Rebekah, that Esau will serve Jacob. He knows this. He also is very aware that Esau has despised his birthright and it now belongs to Jacob. He's aware of that. He also is incredibly aware that it goes directly against God's word to marry Hittite women. He could care less. And yet... Isaac stubbornly wants to still give the blessing to Esau. Why? Does he have good reasons? Because Esau gives him good tasting food? And I'm ready to pick up the stones and throw them at Esau. And then I hear this little whisper. See, I had to deal with this all week long. I hear this little whisper. How often do you try to control and manipulate the blessing of God? Let me give you some little case in point. Do I more fervently pray for the people I like? Or do I fervently pray for my enemies? That's really what's going on here. Isaac likes Esau better than Jacob. So he prays more fervently for what he wants. Do I ever do that? I think I do. Do you ever do that? Jesus says that you are to pronounce blessing even on your enemies. Oh, we want some people to be saved. The people that we like. But do we want our enemies to be saved? If I'm honest, I do want to control. God's blessing. You see, showing favoritism is a problem that lives in our hearts. The book of James says if somebody comes into your, into your uh, place of worship and, and they're not wealthy or they're not kind of in the in crowd and you kind of just ignore that person. He says, you are way out of line. We do it. We do Shortchange people. And as you look at Isaac, make sure you look at yourself as well. We tend to want to bend the will of God to our will. Thankfully, God doesn't dispense the blessing that way. Isaac is going to be unsuccessful in his attempt. In the end, who gets bent it's Isaac he does exactly what God wants him to do in the next chapter we're not there yet but in chapter 28 we will see that Jacob free i mean Isaac freely blesses Jacob by that time he's gotten his will crushed and he says okay God I get it and he gives willingly the blessing to Jacob now Let's move on. Let's think about Rebecca for a minute. She begins in verse 5. What are we to think about Rebecca? Well, she is planning a, pl- a work of scheming and deception. Now, here's the interesting thing about Rebecca. Her ultimate goal is in accord with God's ultimate goal. Right? They both want to see Rebecca Jacob blessed. But where is Rebecca's confidence? Is she trusting in God's sovereign and good hand to bring about the blessing? No. Her confidence is in herself, in her own scheming, and she is attempting to manipulate and control herself. And she tells herself that if she does not act decisively in this way, that the promise of God will fall short. That's what she's telling herself. I'm telling you that decisive action is good but if it does not flow from an attitude of humble trust it is not pleasing to God. Rebecca thinks that she has to personally help the promise of God along. In other words, she believes that if I, she sees Isaac's disobedience and she thinks that if she doesn't counteract Isaac's dis- disobedience that somehow the blessing will be lost. How often do we do that? The the promise of God is dependent upon me. I've got to make it happen. And it's very dangerous to us because we, when our ultimate objective is in line with God's ultimate objective, we think that we're justified in doing whatever we want. And this is why... She says things like, obey my voice. Only obey my voice. Don't even think about obeying the voice of God. Just obey me. Jacob gets a little squirmish. He's not sure the plan's going to work. It's a bad plan. And she says, oh, don't worry, the curse will fall on me. If she really believed that she was that like in God's sovereign hand and the curse would fall upon her, if she really believed that, would she say that? I don't think so. She is basically saying I am the voice of God to you. Obey me. How contrary is Rebecca's attitude to that of faith and obedience? And I'm telling you, this again is a challenge to each one of us. Just because we have the right goal, we want the salvation of someone, this doesn't mean we can use whatever means we want in trying to achieve that goal. We can't trust in our own strength, our own strategies, our own planning. I think Rebecca's strategies and her, her manipulation of this whole situation are the most, hard, it's the most difficult to see in ourselves. Personal ambition. I, I think Rebecca is not driven by the will of God. She's driven by her love for Jacob, and she's going to manipulate that. And I think it's so easy, especially in religious settings, to use religion for our personal ambitions. We're promoting what we think is good and right. But we crush other people on the way to get what we think is right. We treat other people poorly. We trust in our own scheming. You see, Rebecca equates obedience to her as obedience to God. Be careful if you ever start thinking that way. They have to do what I know to be right. You're basically saying, they have to obey me for the will of God to be brought forth. Now, let's think about Jacob. Now, Jacob, we can say he cares about the blessing, that's for sure. He cares so much about the blessing that he's willing to actually consider his mom's plan, even though he knows it's a terrible one. And what's interesting, the difference between Jacob and his mom is that Jacob is the one who's benefiting from it. Where Rebecca is actually, at least she can say, I'm doing this for my son Jacob, even though I think it's still her own selfishness. But they're very close together. Jacob does not give a thought to whether he is trusting God. All that he is concerned with is if there's, a, there's an exit plan, if it goes south, mom will take the blame. What is interesting... Jacob attempts to pull the wool over his dad's eyes, and he succeeds. But does he pull the wool over God's eyes? No, he does not. You see, basic to Christianity, if you want to make some progress in overcoming the selfishness of your heart to try to manipulate your world around you so that it makes you happy, if you want to have some progress in that, you have to believe that God sees through it all. You are an open book to him. You see, Jacob tricks his dad, but it is not his trickery that gets him the blessing. He is given the blessing by God's sovereign grace. In fact, what will God do with the rest of Jacob's life? Through one incident after another, he will teach Jacob the other side of the story, when you are lied to, when you are deceived, when you are manipulated, how does it feel to you? Because God is rooting out that attitude in Jacob, but it will take his whole life. The deception is elaborate. They cook a meal that will taste like the one Esau will prepare. They, they wear Esau's clothes, or he, Jacob wears Esau's clothes. He has to strap on his arms the skin and on his neck, Ugh, uh, uh, he's, he's in this elaborate costume, he comes to his dad, and he doesn't know how to change his voice, so he just tell, speaks normally, and he says to his dad, because the Lord your God has granted me success. Do you hear those words? He is manipulating the sovereign goodness of God for his own purposes. Evil, evil, evil. With every step, the deception goes deeper and deeper. Jacob's actions become more and more detestable, and Isaac's blindness becomes more and more laughable. The last straw is the kiss, right? He kisses him. Is it not ironic that Judas tries to deceive Jesus by a kiss. I don't know that this is, I won't draw this connection too tightly, but but the same attitude that lives in Jacob also lived in Judas. And the whole point of why Jacob is saved is because God saves him not because Jacob is better than Judas. We see God's sovereign hand in the timing. As soon as Jacob leaves, Esau comes in. You see, everyone thinks that they're manipulating God, and God is the one controlling and manipulating the whole thing. Which is why in your, in your uh, affirmation of faith, we have those two statements in your affirmation of faith. Do you really think evil people are able to overcome God's purpose to bless his people? Do you really think that's the case? As soon as Esau comes in, as soon as Isaac sees it, he he comes to this awareness like, oh my goodness, I have just blessed uh, Jacob instead of Esau. He starts trembling violently. Why? Because he knows that God beat him. He has been trying to manipulate God through the whole story, and God just manipulated him. And he knows it. And this is where, you know, I, I think, well, it's, Isaac spoke the word he didn't even mean it. can he just like you know have a clause in there if he didn't mean this, then intent matters or something you know I don't know but but he can't he can't do that. why this is I, I'm not sure if this is everything, but this is where I, I I fall down right now. I think Isaac is finally recognizing that the words that he spoke were the words that God wanted him to speak, and even though you could reverse your words. Isaac cannot reverse God's will. I think that's what's happening here. And this is why I think that Isaac is in Hebrews 11, in the chapter of faith, because he doesn't try at this point to reverse this. Now, Esau's reaction, kids, listen up. Esau's reaction is typical brat. What does he do? He plays the victim, and he throws a temper tantrum. I can't believe it. They stole this from me. Isaac is, I think, a true Christian, and Isaac is being brought to the realization that God is in control, and he's learning how to submit his heart to God. Esau is just flat out, give it to me, give it to me. Parents, do not give in to your kids' temper tantrums. It's a little side note, but don't do it. You're doing the exact opposite thing that God does. God will not do that. He doesn't give in to temper tantrums. If you don't want them to throw temper tantrums to God in their adult life, don't let them throw temper tantrums now and get what they want. You see, Hebrews 12 tells us that Esau was weeping and crying out to God, or to Isaac. But he was rejected because he found no chance to repent even though he sought it with tears. What does Esau need to do? He needs to humble his heart. He needs to recognize his wickedness. He needs to repent of his sin. And God will bless him. But he doesn't do any of that. He just throws his temper tantrum. And what he gets instead of a blessing is an anti-blessing. I won't spend much time on that. But here's the here's the thing I really want to kind of move towards Rebecca through all of her scheming actually gets the blessing to go on Jacob but she gets none of the fruition of that in her own heart. Look at how she ends her life. She sends away Jacob and then she is going she says I loathe my life because of these Hittite women. And if actually, if Jacob marries a Hittite woman, what good will my life be to me? You know what she's done? She said, I have these ambitions. I have this idea how life should turn out. And instead of submitting my heart to God, I'm, I'm just going to keep manipulating, keep working on it. And she sends Jacob away. She thinks he'll be able to come back quickly and she'll have a good, happy life again. She dies before he ever gets back. Now, I don't know. Rebecca may be redeemed. She may be in glory. But I'm telling you, she, her refusal to submit her heart to God and to trust his sovereign power robbed her of joy and peace in her life. Now, here we go. We're close to the end. We're supposed to learn from Esau, Jacob, Rebekah, and Isaac. And I believe the thread that runs through each of them in various ways. You cannot control or manipulate God to get the blessing. So what's the flip? It's not really given here, but what is the flip of this? How do you get God's blessing? How do you live a life under God's blessing? It is simply by a humble and repentant and faith-filled heart repentance and faith Galatians chapter 3 Paul is talking to the Galatians see they had the Galatians had come to know Christ they had they believed in the gospel but now life wasn't turning out like they had hoped and so what do they think well, maybe we should go back to the old ways and figure out some way to manipulate life so that we can actually enjoy life better. Because God doesn't give you all the things you want in this life. And he says in chapter 3, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed and crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Here it is. How's your, how's your Christian life turning out for you? You know, a lot, maybe a lot more suffering than you'd hope for? Disappointment with prayers? Maybe you've still got a lot of sin in your heart. You wish you could be better than you are. Whatever. And the temptation is, oh, I'm going to figure out something I can do so I can manipulate the blessing so it will better impact me. And Paul says, you're foolish. You receive the Spirit, which is the best part of the blessing, simply by faith. The blessing is yours because Jesus Christ has earned it. You don't get it through manipulation. You don't get it through scheming. You don't get it through control. You get it by submitting your heart to Christ. It is received by faith alone in Christ alone. Don't go anywhere else. When we stand around each other in glory, we will not say, Oh, Marcus, good scheming on that day, man. You wouldn't have been here if you hadn't schemed. Will we? We will be praising the sovereign grace of God. And then, we won't be saying it deceptively as a lie. We will be saying it truthfully. The Lord has granted me success. Amen.